Ladies and gentlemen, time for a special guest. What up, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catching Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, with my splash bro co-host, Zach. My guy, Zach, we've been pretty excited about our special guest we have on, right, my guy? Yes, sir, 100%. Now, it's time to roll out the red carpet for our special guest. Bring out the cameras. He is the Snapback Sports founder with the biggest sports page on Snapchat, a host of the Snapback Sports Pod, and the head of winning at Underdog Fantasy. A warm welcome to Jack Settleman. Jack, it's great to have you on. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much again thank for coming on. Thanks for having me. And I didn't even mean to, but I got my guy Steph right here in the background. So he's looking fresh, <laughs> that little, yeah. yeah. Was it like planted right away before we started? No, no. I got it in the mail from Small Stars, I think the name is. And they uh, they gave me a list of people to choose from. I picked Steph. I love Steph Curry. So he made the background and it, it fits the script for today. I see you got a Wheaties background right there. It's uh, who's on that? Who's on that box? Yeah, right so that that's uh, Muhammad Ali. It's like a collector's item that they sent me, which is pretty cool. Uh, what else I got in the background? I got a Leon Dreitzeitel. That's from Tim Hortons up in Canada. Our producer sent me that. I've got uh, some pictures of family, a little candle, uh, nice Puma stuff. basketball. Yeah, so, so we're working on the backdrop a little. <laughs> All right, so. Episode 45, the Jack Settlement special. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to ask first, um, you know, you're the head of winning at Underdog Fantasy. Do you get roasted a lot when, you know, the Jack picks don't cash in sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I haven't put out a decent amount of winners recently. So a lot of pressure is on. But <laughs> the first the first big Jack special we ever did hit big and it it smoked underdog and everyone won and made a lot of money. So I feel like that's holding me together for a little. The NBA playoffs and baseball are kind of just a warm up to get people into underdog. The real fun is really come football season when we're going to have a ton of fun with that stuff. Yeah, the big one was that CP3 manual quickly. Thank you so much for that. You cash that? You cash <laughs> yeah, that? We, we, yeah, I think both cash. Of us did. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, the snapback experience really was a unique idea, especially with like the whole fan interaction. Um, you get to see give fans the experience um, out of all the places you've been to, like Madison Square Garden, Dodger Stadium, Super Bowl 55. What was your favorite? And, you know, got a cool story behind it. Yeah. So I think the coolest crowd environments, I was shocked at the Islanders arena or stadium, whatever they want to call it. The Coliseum is what is what they love to say. But uh, that crowd environment was crazy. MSG for the playoffs was nuts. And Kansas. I went to Kansas, Devontae Graham senior day when I was still at UT. That's back when we were real sports and not even snapback sports. Um, so that those are definitely three of the craziest crowd experiences. But the coolest one was the Miami Super Bowl, without a doubt. Chiefs, Niners. Just that was the first time that like we did a snapback experience and it was like, holy shit, like I'm working right now, but like I'm at the Super Bowl and, you know, it's just an opportunity that I don't take for granted and was super, super cool. So that's definitely been the coolest one to shoot live. It was a great game and like they had the roof open it was 70 and sunny Miami Sunday night. So it was awesome. 
too bad as a 49ers fan we uh, yeah i know for me i was rooting uh, for the niners i was rooting for the niners i really thought they would have won but hey i mean we can't really dwell on that any much longer so i mean jimmy g jimmy g airmailing emmanuel sanders with yeah yeah that was yeah so funny story about that uh every single not like pretty much no one would recognize this only i knew because i shot the game through my through my phone obviously is every single touchdown in that game, I think there were five or six, were scored in the same end zone, which, and I was sitting in an end zone. It was the opposite one. So that Sanders pass from Jimmy G was coming towards me, which looking back, that's how I knew it was never going to be caught for a touchdown because every <laughs> touchdown had to be scored in the opposite end zone in that game. <laughs> All right. And you mentioned a lot about loving the business aspect of sports. You've been involved with like a lot of things, even before snapback, you know, your beer business with the Ravens and Orioles and your phone case company called A-List Cases. Um, what made you love the business side of sports? Yeah, good question. I think that's the biggest thing. And you mentioned it whenever I'm talking to younger people who want to get into sports, I, I have to give them that advice is fall in love with the business side of sports, not just the actual sports. Everyone's a huge sports fan who, who's in sports and they're like, I want to. OK, but do you care about marketing and PR and all those things? And you can learn to find what your passion is there. But I grew up in a in a business that was related to sports, which is beer distribution. So watching my mom and my aunt and my grandparents care more about the Ravens winning because it meant more beer sales for next week than for any reason outside of that taught me about the business side of sports. So then going forward, I always was just entrepreneurial growing up, got into college, had a bunch of free time. I think depending on what you major in in college, for me, I studied sports management, which actually left me with a decent amount of free time. It wasn't super intensive with classes and studying and all that. So I, instead of just lounging around and playing video games all day, I was like, what if we just start this business, learn digital marketing, learn social media and pick up these skills. And so that was super, super advantageous for me in my career. Sounds great. Um, I guess it's just seeing the satisfaction of like seeing your business succeed, like saying, oh man, I built this with my ground up and like say, yeah. man, I did it. And I guess that had to be something you felt when you saw snapback sports take off. Yeah. And it's, it's all because of the fans it's all because of, you know, guys like you who supported me. And that's why whenever I can, I try and support back. Um, Cause I know that I'm not, you know, I'm not really anything special here. I'm not a six, eight athlete who can dunk. I'm not, you know, the best actor singer, you know, I really am a product of what the fans are. So always remembering who kind of got you there, engaging the community, stuff like that has been really cool to bring them with me on this journey to all different heights. Yeah, that's just a great thing to think about. And, you know, a lot of people expect instant success when starting something. They think, you know, that one post is just going to go, you know, make them from zero to a thousand followers. And as someone, you know, who grinded hard for several hours, numerous hours and worked hard to get where you're at, what's your message for those people? Yeah, don't. So I get a lot of questions like, yo, will you shout out my page? And I always respond the same thing. I say, absolutely, 100%. But you need to go and post every single day, multiple times a day for six months, then come back to me and I'll shout you out because no one's willing to really put in the work. Like you just said, they want to see one post go viral, then they hit the next level and then they kind of snowball from there. So I've got one person has ever actually come back to me and said, um, you know, I did it. Give me, and obviously I give him a bunch of love. So 
Um, you got to stay diligent with this stuff. There are no overnight successes. So just stay committed. And really, if you love what you're doing or want to be doing, then, you know, put in that work. Great advice. Great advice. Um, now let's transition over to NBA basketball and, you know, seeing NBA basketball back in stadiums with fans. It just kind of had to feel great just to see like the amount of pressure that they can apply to players and just, finally seeing kind of some sort of normalcy coming back to the NBA. Absolutely. It was, it's awesome to be in the crowd. You felt it at MSG. I haven't gone to Brooklyn yet, but hopefully maybe tomorrow night, as soon as tomorrow night, maybe Philly later in the week, but yeah, it's great. It's the fans make the game. It's what I was just talking about. My fans make me, the fans make the NBA. It's pretty much the audience and the community of any product is what makes it happen. So it's cool to see it coming back. It's cool to see fans interacting with each other. Now, we could probably go without the fans running on the floor and fighting each other (laughs) and throwing shit. But uh, (laughs) overall, 99% of that is positive. And it's been, it's been good to see. It feels like, where are you guys living right now? Um, California for me. Yeah. Yeah. California. Cause Cali was, I mean, and New York where I am, we're pretty tight, but New York started to loosen up a little. Is it any better in Cali? Yeah. Now Um, that vaccinations have gone up, uh, like, governors starting the i think the giants who play in san francisco obviously i think full capacity starts when they play oakland later this month so i think everything's starting to open up around the country hopefully that's great yeah so um you know we're gonna as we're recording this there happened two games it was the bucks and the nets and the denver phoenix games i want to touch upon the bucks nets game as the series got tied 2-2 and we saw kyrie irving go down um, we don't know how serious that injury is, but moving forward, um, feel free to talk on this, but can KD um, handle that pressure of carrying a team by himself to the next level? Yeah, Kevin Durant can handle the pressure. I think that the real question is, can Kevin Durant actually carry a team? And I'll, I'll say this, I, I really don't think so. I thought from day one of the series, with James Harden out, I think the Bucs were the better team. Now you remove Kyrie Irving from that equation. And not only are you removing his second star side by side with him, but you're also removing the playmakers, right? So Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Kevin Durant's spectacular. You guys have seen it firsthand. Like yeah. he, he, Pressure is not a thing. He can get a bucket whenever, but he's not a playmaker. He never has been. His assist numbers have never really exceeded five per game, I don't think, in his career. So I don't think they have the facilities. Joe Harris isn't a playmaker. Blake Griffin's not a playmaker. Uh, Mike James, he's not a great playmaker. So to answer your question, I don't see how they facilitate enough points with their defense uh, not being able to really limit walkie. So I think if Kyrie's out and they can't get Harden back, I, I do see the Bucks winning this series. Now, Kevin Durant could go nuclear and score 50 in game five, but can he do it twice over the span of three games? I just don't see it. So I think the Bucks, if those two guys are out, are going to win the series. Bucks and six. Um, you think so, Zach? <laughs> yes, I've so? said it since the beginning of the series. I just think, I think all year after watching the Nets, I just been so worried about their defense. And I think you just have like multiple plays yesterday, just Giannis just driving into the paint and getting easy buckets like that. And I think without, obviously, like Jack said, without James Harden and Kyrie Irving, I mean, KD really never experienced that in OKC because I, I, I don't remember a series where Re- Russell Westbrook was injured and I don't remember one series at all with Golden State 
where Steph or Clay or Draymond was injured. It was usually, I mean, Steph was injured probably in 2018, but he also had Clay with him. So I just think the Bucks and are, Draymond. I mean, that that's yeah. the thing is when you talk about KD needs a playmaker next to him, and like as much as you know, I'm sure Golden State fans right now don't like Draymond Green. He's a playmaker. Like he gets the ball exactly. to the right people. Yeah. yeah. So. So even if he didn't have Clay and stuff, he still at least had Draymond. Right now, I just don't know where you go to to drive an attack. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Bucks and six or Bucks and seven with the way it's going right now? That's a good question. I think it's, I don't see a way Kyrie plays tomorrow. So I'm going to, I think it can make it to seven games. I really do. I'm not going to, I mean, for the Bucks to win four in a row against the Nets would be pretty crazy. Obviously, injuries change the whole thing, but I, I'm going to go Bucks and seven for now. Injuries, though, can shift the whole series. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, now let's move on to the Phoenix and Nuggets game. I mean, the biggest question is Nikola Jokic, the current MVP, um, getting ejected. Kind of like he didn't even have a chance to go down swinging in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, did you Well, think he did that, swing. He did swing. But, like, swing. not in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> he did technically He really did swing. swing. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you think it was a fair ejection to um, no, get rid of no. Nikola Jokic in that sense? So, so, the – intent looked malicious right which is what i think ended up getting but a flagrant two is a is a dangerous play not on the basketball so nikola Jokic was closer to hitting the basketball than he was any part of campaign's face at worst he kind of hits him on the arm so um i think it was crazy and a lot of people will be like you can't throw the mvp out you can't do it in an elimination game like all of that aside like i still don't think in a regular season game that necessarily warrants like a flagrant too. Like I really think he clipped the ball a little. He doesn't make contact with campaign's face. So that was weird for me to get tossed. Now you bring in all those other factors, the MVP at home in an elimination game. And you could have easily caught a flagrant one to call a flagrant two was just mind boggling. Not that it really mattered. The series was over. That, that yeah, game was, was over. probably over, but still it was crazy that they called that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It was, eh, I mean, it was already over, but I just wanted to see Nicole Jokic fight for like 46 minutes. Yeah. Like, give him a chance, you know, give him at least one game and, you know, we can fight, let, let him fight for another day. But I guess it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I have to agree with John Morant's take on Twitter that you just give him a flagrant one and move on, honestly. I mean, Warriors Twitter was all up in arms about it because, you know, if that was Draymond, he probably would have gotten a flagrant two before <laughs> the whistle even blew. But um, I just think it's the, league's mvp it's an elimination game even if they're not going to win just give them a flagrant one and move on and i mean the nba apparently made the right decision so i understand that they're probably the nba is trying to get that type of basketball out of the league and i feel like they're kind of turning a little bit soft but i mean i don't know i think he personally should have gotten a flagrant one they should have just moved on but the Suns were ultimately the better team, it looked like, which honestly gave me a little bit of questions to how the Blazers couldn't beat the Nuggets. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the I Blazers, mean, I, I don't know about them. They could either be hot and cold. So, I mean, and Dame's going to New York. So, he's going to the Knicks. I <laughs> there bet. you go. There yeah. you go. Got to hop on the train. <laughs> about the Suns, um, um, you know, whoever they face, the Jazz and the Clippers, do you think they have a shot of going to the NBA Finals with um, the way they've been playing? I do. And I think they're peaking right now, which is weird to say. But I also will pump the brakes and say that 
the team that comes out of that series, as long as they're not beaten up, I think will be the better team in the series. So it will take a lot for the Suns to get kind of over that hump, whether you have to deal with two wings in Kawhi and PG who are, are, you know, all-star players, or you have to deal with the Jazz who are just, they can light up from every part. The Suns bench through the first two series has been awesome. Now the question is when you face a team like the Jazz with the sixth man and really the seventh man of the year, or you face a team with the Clippers who are loaded all the way through maybe 10 men in their rotation, now can the Suns bench keep up with that uh, when the starters are probably equaled out? So we, we shall see. I think the advantage of maybe being up 3-0 in the season series against Utah could be good for their mental. Look, at the end of the day, they have their leader. They have a superstar scorer right now in D-Book. Aiden's playing spectacular. Like, this is it. This is the time to make it happen. So, we'll see. Uh, that I think that series is going to go seven games probably. So, Sun's going to get a ton of rest, which could be good, could be bad. We'll see. You think the rest versus rust can be a, a little uh, something to watch moving forward? Yeah, so I would say I think the pressure of the rest versus rust is a huge situation to look out for. So getting Chris Paul's shoulder as healed as possible, which it looks like it has gotten to that point, but a week off will only help that more. And getting Aiton's knees and Jay Crowder, who's you know a vet, as, get them as healed as possible. Now, rest versus rust, you go to Utah, game one, you drop that. You can still pick up a game in game two. If you're off for a week, the Clippers come out, they're feeling good having won maybe two straight or four straight even to win that series in six. And then three days later, they come to Phoenix and they've been off for a long time and you drop game one, a lot, a lot of pressure there. So um, we'll see like who comes out of that series. It's hard to kind of pick right now, but rest versus rust generally the, the rest is good. Okay. Um, let's, let's take a little step back and look at the New York Knicks. And I know you're a big fan of it and, you know, they kind of came out of nowhere, um, this season. I think last season, I think they were kind of a port. I don't know what the record was, but they weren't a great team, Terrible, but terrible. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) coming into this year, I mean, I feel like they just kind of took that to a next level and like they became the fourth seed. You saw the rise of Julius Randle and RJ Barry. And I'm just Wondering, how would you grade this season, although they got bounced in the first round and five against the Hawks, sadly? This season's an A+. It's not even up for debate. You have the most improved player in the league, you have the coach of the year, your young stars developed, your rookies started to play really well towards the second half of the season. And now you've got a ton of cap space, you've got a ton of draft picks, and a huge offseason. And most importantly, coming off all those factors is, you kind of restored basketball in Madison Square Garden. So now it's not a joke when people say maybe they could make a move for Dame Lillard or Kawhi Leonard. Like people take that seriously now. And that is in eight years, 10 years of really bad Knicks basketball. Changing that in just a season is everything. You kind of look at who the Knicks played in the first round, which is the Hawks. The Hawks went all in on this roster. They used up all their cap space, Bogdanovich, uh, Capella, uh, they still have to pay Collins. Gallinari got a lot of money. Rondo, who they ended up swapping for Lou Will. So, like, they, it's not like they're bringing in another superstar. And now, to me, I think that series against Philly could be done in five games. So, would I rather win one game in the first round and have max space to improve on? Or, or would I rather max out potentially in the second round like the Hawks? So, that, I mean, it's a personal thing for a lot of people. I'd rather be in the Knicks situation. I think the Knicks' future is super bright. Now, 
You just don't want to fall into a situation like Boston where you've got some opportunity and like you just hold on to draft picks or you hold on to cap space and you don't want to spend it all. It's like you got to make it happen. You never know when you're a piece away. You look at Philly, you look at the Suns right now, like the Suns, if they had let go of a lot of their stars or they hadn't gone all in on Chris Paul, like where are they right now? Um, You never know what's going to happen in a season. So just be, you know, when you have the advantage, take advantage of that situation. And that brings me to like, like the next kind of like little segment, like off season moves, like, you know, way back then, you know, a lot of Knicks fans, oh, we're going to get Zion with the first pick. Oh, we're going to get Katie and Kyrie. So like, what's the biggest, um, you know, I guess need for the next moving into the off season. Yeah. It's a point guard. The Knicks haven't had a point guard in two decades. The, the leading assist Knicks over the past 20 years is like Raymond Felton and Carmelo Anthony. And so that's not good. And everything you see in the playoff losses over the past five years is it stems from not having a true point guard. Who's a threat to shoot and a threat to make plays. So you go out and you either get a player, whether that's Lonzo Ball or high IQ, or you try and develop a manual quickly, but you can't be in a situation where you bring in like 33 year old Ricky Rubio who can't shoot. And you're stuck with the same situation, like pick one, uh, make a move for Dame Lillard, make a move for, you know, if you want Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry and, and they just have to get a point guard to solidify the offense. You saw in the playoffs, Alfred Payton started the whole season because the Knicks just didn't have a better option. Derrick Rose was scoring from the point guard spot, but couldn't get offense going. And when he wasn't scoring, he was pretty much useless. So Knicks need a point guard. That's where it all starts. Next paired Julius Randle with a superstar like Kawhi Leonard, like um, Damian Lillard. If you can, if it's within the realm of possibilities, if not, maybe you hold on to that cap space next season. There's a lot of really good free agents. Um, So take advantage of the situation, like I said, but, don't blow your load on, you know, some really bad players. Like you easily could, like you easily could this summer. Yeah. Like way back then we saw like the Knicks when they, you know, didn't cash in on the free agents. They just blew it on like Taj Gibson or yeah, something. But, like- but I think, you know, obviously Knicks got a ton of heat for that. But if you look back on what they did, they signed every single player to a two-year deal with the team option on the second. The only player they didn't was Julius Randle which was awesome because they gave him two plus the third year. So like Taj Gibson, uh, they just brought it back in this season. Uh, they signed Bobby Portis. They got rid of him. They traded Mook Morris. They got a pick for him, which turned into Emmanuel quickly. So if you play it smart, you can just extend the cap space till next season, um, which I would suggest the Knicks do. My ideal Knicks pickups, obviously one of those superstars, if you can get Dame or you can get Kawhi Leonard, I, I don't really see it happening, um, but I love Norman Powell. I love Lonzo Ball. I would look at Duncan Robinson because you want to upgrade the Reggie Bullocks of the world to an elite three-point shooter, not just a solid one. Bring back D. Rose a little, maybe bring back Nerlens Noel, but um, you don't have to go crazy. I love Norman Powell and Lonzo as kind of my two guys, but uh, we'll see. The front office has been making great decisions. Um, you know, if somehow in an ideal world, Dame or Kawhi wants to come to the Knicks, um, what would it take for, you know, Knicks fans just to say, okay, we're going to give this guy, this guy, and like this pick, you know, what would the ideal trade be for those kind of guys? Yeah. So Kawhi Leonard's a free agent. So he's obviously ideal because you bring in Kawhi, you just fill one of those salary spots, you keep every single player on the roster. And that's, you know, that's the best situation. You now got the claw and <laughs> an elite wing. Dame Lillard's more complicated. It takes a big trade to get him from Portland for Portland to give up on him. So it'd probably be a combination of like four first 
Toppin quickly and maybe RJ Barrett. That would be a lot to stomach. I'm not going to lie. It would be a lot to stomach, especially because today is RJ Barrett's 21st birthday. He's among only six other players to ever, you know, come up with some points, rebounds, assist stats by the age of 21 that the players in that category is like LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, Luka Doncic. You know, it, it's a ridiculous list to be on. So to give up on him, but I always say this and Heat fans did this too, right? They didn't want to give up Tyler Hero and other pieces to get James Harden. And now looking back, obviously it just looks stupid. You'd rather have a bird in the hand over, you know, two in the bush, I think is the saying. So I'm willing to give up pretty much anything that the Blazers want for Dame Lillard. Um, but we'll see if it's real, if they really are willing to even trade him in the first place. I mean, uh, Zach, I mean, you've always, yeah, I just don't, I just Tyler don't Hero. understand that. Like, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, a couple first-round picks for James Harden, which makes you an instant title contender. It just makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. And yeah. I think I think it's a problem with the Warriors that may, they may have. Bob Myers saying that he's reluctant to cha- trade James Wiseman. Man, just trade James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, first-round pick. Paul George comes to the Bay Area, and that makes the Warriors instantly better. Yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily on the table. Like you, you true. You have to be yes. If that if that were a scenario, I think they make that move ten times out of ten. I think they don't want to trade James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins for Zach Levine, right? They don't want to get a guy who it's unclear if you real if he really elevates them. In the Heat's case, you pretty much trade everything except Bam and Jimmy because, like the Nets just did. If you surround him with with minimum contract guys, Mike James, Joe Harris, he costs a little, but Blake Griffin, you know, Aldridge for a second, like Claxton, you can get, you can build a roster around three superstars. So if you can, you do it. If not, um, give James Wiseman, give your boy a little, a little, a little time. He's like 19. Um, I'll just touch upon one more thing about the Knicks. You know, Kelly Oubre, um, you know, there was some oh, news about how mutual interest. Um, Zach and I knew that he was already gone, but, you know, if there was mutual interest between the Knicks, Jack, do you think Kelly Oubre on the Knicks would work? I think I would love to have Kelly. Warriors fans hate him because... He's going he's gonna to some, somehow, I've said it before, he's going to somehow finesse his way into 20 mil a year. I mean, mm, I don't see that happening. But look, here's the thing with Kelly. I think Warriors fans are scarred because of his start of the season where what? He shot like two for 48 from three. Something Kelly, like that. Kelly was a little better over the middle parts of the season. And if he had been there for that playoff game, both those playoff games or play-in games, I think, I think he would have helped. Yeah, I think yeah, it would have made a big impact, honestly. Exactly. I think they missed so, that. Yeah, so I think Kelly Oubre, like you said, at twenty million, uh, find a different city, not New York City. Uh, at twelve, at fourteen, at fifteen, you kind of get a, th- a high upside three and D wing who can attack. Like he, if he even got better, how old is he? Like he can't be older than he's, he's like, like twenty five, like twenty six. Yeah, so so I don't know if he can still develop because he has been in the league for a while, but. I mean, he's wave poppy. We got to get him in, in New York. I would take him. Norman Powell is my pick, but if we couldn't get him, I wouldn't mind Ubre at all. As like a yeah, he's 25. Game. He's still young. I mean, yeah. that's the surprising thing. Looking up Andrew Wiggins' age, he's like 26 years old, and it feels like he's been in the league for like nine yeah. years. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess with the way whole NBA playoffs is going, I do want to ask, you know, what's the finals prediction for you? Um, has it changed? Yes, um, 
It it has changed. It has gotten to the point that I now think the winner of the uh, Clippers Jazz series will face off with the Sixers, which is insane. That is not what I said at all going in. I thought the Jazz were really solid, but I thought the Clippers would beat them. I think the Clippers are not as good as people think, but they can turn it on and, and be the dangerous team people think. Um, I had Phoenix over the, over the Lakers, as everyone knows, whether or not the AD injury turned the series. Uh, we'll never know. Um, but I had the Nets going to the finals. If all three of those guys were healthy, I still feel very confident that they would. Um, but now, yes, yeah, Sixers over <laughs> Sixers Jazz. I mean, that would be a wild, that would be a wild series. It would. Um, okay. So moving forward to like the whole Warriors stuff, I do want to ask as a non-Warriors fan, like the outside looking in, um, did you think it was a success or like a failure for the Warriors team this season? So I am way more in the Warriors fandom than most people would know because of Sam and Andy from Light Years Pod. Um, I worked with them a bit. So I kind of dove into that. Then one of my other buddies is huge Steph Curry. You know, he's always posting about him. Um, so I, I actually follow her pretty closely. That's how I know about Ubre and Wiggins and all that stuff. Wiseman and the potential traits. Uh, the season was a failure. You've got the last couple years of Stephen Curry's. <laughs> you've got the last couple years of Stephen Curry's prime. And you have your head coach saying, we're not going to chase wins at this point in the season. Steve. Yeah. So it, it's a massive failure to not even get into the playoffs. You could have played the Jazz who were without Donovan Mitchell for game one. Um, I think the front office just they didn't make any moves. They didn't really develop like Jordan Poole, like accidentally became a serious player for the team. And like, I don't think Steve Kerr even was thinking about playing him for the first half of the season um, pending injury. So massive yeah. failure. This is the year, though. Like if you learned anything from last year is like time is absolutely running out where you need <laughs> to capitalize on having these three guys stream on Steph and Clay. So put the pieces around them to make it happen. Let them have a fair shot at it. And literally look at Phoenix. Like what Phoenix did, they made one move. They made another move at the deadline. They bring in Torrey Craig. You just put vets and good players around stars. And like, you never know how the season's going to break. So I don't want to see Stephen Curry triple team to half court ever again. Put someone on the floor who can be a threat that can at least relieve some of that pressure. Like I always talk about with Dame, like Dame's spectacular. And what he did in that one playoff game against the Nuggets that they even lost, like was insane. It's stuff that I genuinely haven't even seen Steph ever do. Like the step back turnaround threes, like they were nuts. But like Dame doesn't get picked up at half court and can still get those shots off. Like the way they guard Steph Curry because of everyone else on the floor being a non-threat, like they can guard Steph in a different way than they can even guard Damian Lillard. So that's why when... KD and Clay were on the floor stuff. It was the easiest stuff ever because he's such a threat and he pulls all that attention. So put good players against him. I think Clay will be great when he comes back, uh, given what KD is doing this season. But this season for the Warriors, definitely a failure. Yeah, both of us said that, like, you know, from a <sighs> development standpoint, they didn't even do that great with James Wiseman. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have the Minnesota pick, just trade it, man, because we can't develop players, honestly. <laughs> like you have what guys do you mean? like Stephen J- Clay and Draymond are all homegrown. Stephen Clay and Draymond are all homegrown, but Steph wasn't drafted by the Bob Myers regime. 
the only one who was realistically drafted by Bob Myers' regime was Draymond Green. But I mean, like guys like James Jacob Evans, I I think they're in a tough place because I think they have to. They Steve just gotta Kirk. cash in some chips. Exactly. Some Steve Kerr thinks that we they can develop and they can win at the same time, and I'm like, I don't know about that. The and best I just development think, yeah. is winning games. That's where you're exactly. exactly. We gotta chase. We gotta chase wins. Yeah. Chase um, wins. That comes with me to like the last question or last topic. Um, can the Warriors contend for another title with this core staff, Clandre? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Second half of the season. I mean, I know they landed as what the eight seed, but second half of the season, they they had a winning percentage equivalent to the four, five, six seed when Steph really got going. So uh, you get Clay Thompson back, which is, you know, he's spectacular. You get another player in the fold. You get some players back from injury. So this team can absolutely compete for a championship. You get to the point where maybe you're hovering around the three or the four, at the trade deadline, you make a big splash. You you know you make one of those rental moves, and you kind of see what happens. But in a in a seven game series, to have the shooting efficiency that Clay Thompson, Steph Curry can have, like people forget that this team won seventy three games without Kevin Durant, like exactly. with, without Kevin Durant. So let Steph, Clay, Draymond kind of get their groove back. It might take a little which then could lead to, you know, Kerr and Bob Myers being like, we don't have to make moves at the deadline. Like, let him get go. You know, it's just like Andrew Wiggins is he, you know what though? I think he's better than Harrison Barnes was. at Exactly. I don't have a problem with Andrew Wiggins whatsoever. I just think in that playing game versus Memphis where he completely just airballed the airmailed that three pointer. I think there, I think there are guys who can make that shot and he shouldn't be put in that situation. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, him as the fourth option on a team is is perfectly fine. And Wiseman is like, it really should just be a pick-and-roll center and a rebounder at this point. He showed his youth, give him a season, and if there's an opportunity to cash in for him, because, like I said, massive free agency class, and there's going to be some guys who at the deadline have no business being in the playoffs and just maybe want to run it out for a few months with Steph and Clay and Draymond. So, Warriors... Title window is shrinking, but definitely still open. Um, what's the ideal move for the Warriors to make in this offseason? Just asking um, from your yeah, perspective. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, if Paul George was actually on the Pandemic table, I don't, th- P. I, I don't think they have the space to make a move for him. I think they might have the assets, but I don't know if they'd necessarily have the space. Maybe if you give up Wiggins, but like why would the Clippers really take on Wiggins? You're not benefiting from that. So, uh, an attacking wing, a three and D wing, who's really good could be huge for them. Cause they have the guard spots. They have Draymond as a playmaker, but a guy who can shoot the three and then drive in as well. And is a good defender. They could use some help defensively. Obviously uh, they don't need the big man, the big man that they tried chasing with Wiseman really would not have solved any of their problems. I don't think they're never going to be a team who really like they need a, a, a run and gun kind of guy. So um, I don't think they need to make a move for like cat. Like, I don't really think that helps them a ton. I mean, obviously it'd be great to have him, but I don't think that's the answer. So I'd say a, a wing, a three and D wing would be huge for the dubs. Yeah. Um, I only thought that we would get Paul George or Kawhi only if yeah, the Clippers if- would have lost against Dallas. So I yeah, guess that's only, that's only the if the Clippers were going to blow everything up. And I, I think it's yeah. highly unlikely now. 
Yeah, I mean, do you still think they would blow it up if they lose against the Jazz? Just If they lost in, like, let's say five games and PG over the next two was really just a, a an embarrassment, then potentially they could. But I don't see them blowing it up at this point. It, you know, they're, they're a piece away. Ibaka got hurt. You know, there's enough for them to be like, let's run it back. And really, the truth to it all is it all hinges on Kawhi. And Kawhi Leonard's not going anywhere. He's staying in L.A. He doesn't really care about anything. Like, he's living at home. He's chilling. He plays the game. He goes home. He does his thing. <laughs> Agreed. Um, that'll do it for this episode of 40, episode 45, the Jack Settlement Special. We appreciate it, Jack, for coming on. Um, here's your red carpet moment. You got 30 seconds to say whatever you want to the listeners who are maybe listening out there. So go ahead. All right, listeners, uh, you know where to find me. Snapback Sports Jack Settlement. But more importantly, let's root for a little Knicks Warriors finals next year maybe we'll do a snapback experience i'll come to what are they the chase centers chase the new, center, I think. new yeah. arena yeah. Um, state of the art yeah state, state of, the, of art. the art facility i would love to check it out maybe the lineup for the dub starting five could be steph clay dre uh pg and kavan looney and for the knicks we can roll with dame lillard emmanuel quickly uh, Julius Randall, Kawhi Leonard, and or did I say Kawhi Leonard already? Maybe, maybe <laughs> no. Dame, uh, Dame, IQ, Randall, Kawhi, and Mitch Rob. That would be a fun final. So I'll see you boys in a year out in uh in in the golden golden area. Yes. Sir. All right. Thank you so much, Jack. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Oh, shoot. And this will conclude episode number forty-five. The catching dubs podcast. Jack at his socials on Instagram um, at Jack Settlement and on Twitter, I believe the same at Jack Settlement. Um, make sure you check out Snapback Sports on Snapchat, Snapback underscore Sports. Make sure you check out the Snapback Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Snapback Pod on Instagram, just Snapback and then Pod. Um. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Catching Dubs Pod and on Twitter at Dubs Pod. And that'll conclude episode 45. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks, y'all. See y'all later.